Hey Zwifters, I'm Simon Schofield and this is the Zwiftcast coming up on this episode. Post-match analysis from the Zwiftcasters of the very first interview by Zwift's Chief Product Officer. 100 miles, standing up. Is he mad? We talk to the Zwifting king of stand-up. And update bug date. I think Shane's going to get a bit ranty. Well, after quite a lengthy hiatus following both the new map special episode and then another special episode with the new-ish head of almost everything at Zwift YC, they're back. I missed you, boys. Nathan Guerra, so fit and strong. He is literally on fire. And Shane Miller, simmering he is. I tell you, listeners, simmering with update angst, but we'll get to that a little later in the episode. Uh, good day, mate. Are you going to boil over prematurely on this podcast, or can you contain? Can you contain it at a gentle simmer, at least until we get to that item? <laughs> Look, we're going to have to wait and see. And uh, just like these recent game updates from Zwift, expect the unexpected. <laughs> Nathan, <laughs> yo, dude. Uh, Nathan, the fi- I officially declare you the fittest Zwifter in Wisconsin if not the whole Midwest, uh, you are burning hot, smashing road races, eating up MTB contests. What's, what's it all about, Nathan? Where's it all come from? Hard work, I'm guessing. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Like, I just made a post actually on uh, Instagram on my story, 2019 January, really hard season of life that I said, I'm going to race again. Posted a picture of me racing in 2017. And then I guess fruits of your labor after a year and a half, two years of going at it. I mean, it it took a little while to get back at it, but we're having fun and winning races. And I kind of really, and you messaged me actually like, hey, are you like getting addicted to road? I'm like, yeah, I really, really enjoyed crit racing. And that then on the crit racing in the U.S. is really fast and at at the pro level and that, kind of kicked some fitness in where all of a sudden the mountain bike was going really well so it's just kind of like good momentum i've got really good momentum so it's nice yeah well just so that you know i'm not every listener follows every uh pedal turn of your exploits unlike me of course um just uh just give give us those numbers that you gave me and shane in a in a in a message they're pretty impressive well, what are we talking about are we talking up the zwift in 38 minutes on sunday or are we saying no. um 300 <laughs> and i think i can do 370 and i weigh 146 to 148 ish right now so um hmm. i mean going pretty good the out of every corner in the tour of america's Dairyland, which is essentially the top level of crit racing in america uh we are doing well over a thousand watts pretty much every corner and you're doing that for an hour and 15 minutes um Ouch. so yeah it's it's pretty intense racing and then uh manuka was uh near milwaukee the biggest race in the wisconsin off-road series about a week and a half ago i won that race by about a minute had a crash in it too and uh a guy who's won Iceman was there and i think he's a former cx national champion so we're going pretty good it's uh good to say 
Well, congratulations, my friend. And I know all of that is a result of uh, many, many, many hours of very hard work. The Kiss 100, baby. That's where it's at. I'm telling you. <laughs> like, whenever I think about this, I'm like, the Kiss 100 and those five hour, like, just set it high rides, you know? And, and, and all the Zwift community, actually, the Zwift community, I have to say, is a huge part of it. Without that and the motivation with the live streams and hanging out with them and just kind of knowing that you're jumping in amongst these people while you're doing this, it kind of just raises the bar with this worldwide yeah. community, which has been absolutely great. I can absolutely see that. Absolutely see that. It doesn't apply in my case, I have to say, but definitely doesn't you. Well, I mean, who has okay. the tram bike and who doesn't? So. Oh, <laughs> where are we? What's the time? Like three four minutes into it? Less than five minutes <laughs> <laughs> oh, never gets old, does it? Never gets old. Okay, let's kick off with a bit of post-match discussion on the YC interview. The very first detail we've had from Yu Cheng Chang, who's now been in post as Chief Product Officer at HQ for the best part of six months. Probably one of the biggest kind of actual revelations in the interview was the increase in Zwift's headcount. Post-pandemic, there are now 200 more people on the payroll, taking total headcount somewhere north of 500. I mean, that's getting to be a pretty big company. But maybe a more specific interest to Zwiftcast listeners is the real hardcore detail. Is Zwift going to move to a new game engine? Uh, that's a question that many hardcore loyal Zwifters have been asking for a while. And maybe been asking again in uh, in light of uh, the trouble over the recent update, which we'll get to later. Zwift 2.0, is it coming? Here's the answer from YC. Hey, Simon? Simon? Yeah. Uh, I just got a tornado warning, like, just now. Uh, you got a what warning? A tornado warning. Oh, Jesus. Like, the alarms are literally going, they're literally going off. Hold on Ta one second. Let me just see if it's actually for, like... Like, Can I get some comms? Tire wind. And a, oh, hang no. on. And a headwind. And a tire wind. And a headwind. And like a sometimes wind. they do this and it's just kind of like, yeah. like not a big deal, but I'm just going to see where it is. I think it's near <coughs> Wapaka and not right here. And like, I think it's like two hours north, but they're setting off the alarms here. Um, keep going. Wow. And if it gets wild, I'm going to tell you I have to go to the basement. Okay. Well, we might keep that bit in, actually, <laughs> listeners. Uh, Nathan plowing, plowing through a tornado warning. Uh, okay, well, back at least for now <laughs> to the matter at hand, which was uh, YC pretty much saying there will be no Zwift 2.0 and that the new games engine is going to get lots of investment to make it better. You know, all I can say is that there are many, many successful games out there that have their own proprietary game engine. There, there's reasons for making those technical choices one way or the other, and we do evaluate it. But um, from where I have a view, there's still a lot to be done with what we have. We are investing in it and we're building on it and we're making it more scalable, more maintainable and more stable. Shane. Ah, uh, yeah, interesting and, and a good one to address in the uh, in the interview as well. So I was uh, glued to the speakers for that one. But look, it's been clear for a while the engine they currently have was never really designed to do what it's currently doing. Now, given the fact it's, they've been able to contort it into the shape that it is, is a testament of the work they've done and the work they've put into it. But I'm questioning, is there legacy code or is it the engine that's really holding them back? Look, let's take the fence, for example. That was in-game and then it was gone for a long mm. time and then now it's back and kind of works and kind of doesn't. Pack dynamics, changes were made, then rolled back. The recent shadow problem that lasted a month. 
look, I guess there's good news if there's they're working on the new engine, and I look forward to seeing those improvements, but I guess we just hold out to see them. Yeah, I mean, I guess we just don't know enough, do we? I mean, clearly they struggle, uh, as YC, I, I think, acknowledged, you know, when they want to change something, there are unpredictable mm -hmm. results, but I guess you might say that about any code. Um, I mean, Nathan, he said lots and lots of successful games have their own proprietary engine, so you know, moving to a kind of easier, slicker, smoother engine where it's easy to make changes may may not always be the right call for every single game. I, I guess he kind of uh, knows his stuff on that. Yeah, I mean, I want to know what games, I'm actually doing a search on it right now, what games use their own, their own proprietary engine? I should have done it right before this, but, you know, I, why, first of all, like, what are those reasons, right? And um, I... It's, the, it's just a tough one for me. Like, what are the reasons? Here, they have lots of reasons to do it, which are, and we didn't hear them. You know, it was like, okay. Because, like, we have a forums, like, forums of people who know some stuff about games and play games and say, why are we trying to recreate the wheel? Um, I get the ideas. Okay, that I do understand this. It's wanting to stay independent. Low dependencies in a leader space. Like, they are the leader, mm. right? A proprietary thing that can be leveraged in a market, those things are awesome. I totally understand that. That is a business strategy, okay, for markets and not much on how things are played or used. And these proprietary games, I want to know what their users are saying about their experience. I want to know what they're saying about, like, when we're talking about how the game plays and why you use a certain engine, that's usually the reason why you do those things is, is, is with, with an engine when it comes to gameplay and the, and, and, the, and the feedback we're getting from users. The practicality of using Zwift and the experience has nothing to do with decisions like whether or not you're going to be a leader who can leverage your proprietary, that you can um, make your own decisions this way and that. You have no dependencies on an engine and which way they're going. Also, you would have to train or hire probably lots of people that can work on that engine, right? And the people who are there yeah. probably can work on this engine. Um, you know, so <clears throat> users buy the product, though. And uh, it's an okay position to take when you're owning the competition, when you have the whole landscape. But if a Leviathan pops up and smashes it for the users, that whole gamble completely vanishes in an instant. So, yeah, I mean, gamble, gamble is a good word, actually. I mean, they clearly have gambled on their engine, and I think they've probably gambled on the undoubted genius of John Mayfield, uh, who, who now is away from frontline kind of management of the day-to-day -day operation of the game and is clearly spending time uh, working on, on, on polishing their own engine. Um, you know, it was a clear decision, and he communicated it clearly. So now at least we know, and I guess uh, I guess... All we can do is wait and see um, what that investment produces and whether it does produce improvements. Okay. Well, I Next do want to say little... we don't know too, right? I do want to throw that yeah, out yeah. there. Like we, we yeah. don't we know, know what's all coming yeah. down the road with yeah. the engine and how it's being worked on. There might be great things coming down the road. I'm just saying Absolutely. that we know that there's things that are off the shelf from other engines that are very interactive. You know what I mean? That are very much, you know, just ready to go. That's all. So... Yeah, yeah, but maybe that's what John's working on. Exactly. And, you know, we, we know he's a smart guy. Okay, changing subject slightly. Next uh, clip addresses uh, something else that comes up a lot amongst uh, veteran Zwifters. Uh, speed of development and pace of new features. What are the prospects for some kind of faster rollout was what I asked YC, and this is what he said. 
communities, we want more output of amazing features, but we want them to land and we want them to, to work better. You know, the big change that is not unique to Zwift is that when you're smaller and you have less consumers and you have less at stake, um, you can make a lot more mistakes and people are a lot more forgiving. You know, it's more of a camaraderie uh, going on um, when you're a younger startup. And unfortunately, Zwift is at a point where, you know, the mistakes we make are more scrutinized, which causes us to take less risk. And in addition to that, things are way more complicated now because it's not just one system, but it's hundreds of systems layered upon each other. And there are often consequences to changes or things that we make that are, were not anticipated. So we're trying to take more time to think through those. We don't have all the answers. So it's going with and working with the community now to think through those better, but it's going to take longer to land. Okay, um, so again, short answer, no. Uh, new feature development is very unlikely to be transformed into a much faster process for the reasons that YSA gave, which is that uh, basically they, they're, they're risk averse. Um, um, worried about making changes unless they are uh, very, very, very well thought through and, and obviously that takes, takes time. Uh, hold your horses on the latest update situation just a little while longer, Shane. Uh, well, I'll get into that. But uh, I'm in reaction to that very clear answer from YC. Development ain't getting any faster anytime soon because Zwift is a complicated beast and the company is more risk averse than it used to be. Oh, I, I can't hold back on the horse that is the latest update, so I will, I will nudge it in. <laughs> but uh, look, I don't really understand this because they don't want to take risks, but they roll out an update full of issues and wait almost a week to patch it. I mean, come on, I think it's pretty risky pissing off your subscribers by releasing buggy software when the purpose of updates are the exact opposite. It's to further stabilize the platform. Look, low risk to me means like we're not going to see groundbreaking innovation, which was the reason Zwift hit the ground running when it was launched back in 2014. Look, take steering, for example. Smart steering has been in-game for a year now, a whole year. Now, not doing anything with it is a risk. Robust product testing prior to any update or release removes a lot of that risk I think they're worried about. They need to be bold, they need to take those risks, and they're in a position to lead the industry. It's also concerning to hear how the platform they've built themselves is so complex that it's actually holding them back. Yeah, it's a very good point, isn't it? It is. But but again, going back to the previous answer, they do say that, that that's been worked on. I mean, Nathan, at least why he's been clear here. You know, he's telling uh, the angry brigade and the moaners, you know, and uh, I exclude those two former categories from the next category <laughs> is with cast listeners. But, you know, the veterans who want to see things happen faster, you know, the venters, all, all, all those people who, 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 who are very quick to criticise. He's, he's saying to them very clearly, no. It's not going to get any faster, you know. Um, we've got to test things thoroughly. We've got to be sure they're going to work. And the, the platform is complicated. Therefore, things take time. Um, suck it up, guys. Uh, at least he's been clear. Yeah, I definitely would give that, that there's just, hey, no, this is what the pace of things. The one thing that I would say is, you know, are the patches going to get bigger, though? You know, if, with the longer waiting times, um, what is the... What's the point of the longer waiting times if they don't get bigger or have more that's thrown into them, if that makes yeah. sense? So, um, you know, <sighs> massive patches that are dropping in a lot of the other games, like if we say latest Apex season, it has a whole new character. I know that they don't have the kind of team that, you know, Apex has, but, you know, if I, if, it's hard to compare, but 
you have a whole new character with a personality, a storyline, tons of playables that are interactive, that are specific to that character. That character is dynamic to a three-man team that it has to work out with how that character plays with them. And yes, we wait half a year, a year and a half for that character to develop. And that's fine because when it lands, it's like, boom, there's a whole new map that goes with it. And there's just a lot that comes with it. So, um, you know, yeah, the longer waits, is there a trade-off for it? And is there a higher expectation then for what's going to get output um, from yeah, those longer waits? that's an excellent waits? point. No, that's an excellent point. If we're going to keep us waiting, when it lands, make it good. Uh, I think is what you're saying there. And, uh, you know, fair point for sure. Okay, more uh, Zwifty HQ stuff to come later. Um, uh, Shane has, has let go a little bit around the faint air of chaos over the latest uh, monthly update, but I think there might be more to come on that. Um, but if we're honest, uh, Shane and his compatriots accepted, um, although maybe not with lockdown, but it is a low season indoors. I think we've all been pleased to get on the bike and on the bike outside, and that has been reflected it's a pretty low numbers on the platform over recent weeks, but that's hardly a sensation and not much of a surprise. Cyclists want to get out on the open roads and into the fresh air, especially after lockdown. Um, however much we love Zwifting, and of course we do. So unusually for the Zwiftcast, we are talking next about an outside ride. Of course, the ride was by a Zwifter, otherwise we'd be stretching things just a little bit too far, but what a ride this was. Let's talk to prominent Zwifter Chad Tavernay. Well, welcome to the Zwiftcast to Chad Tavernay. You just completed a ride which I am going to describe as magnificently mad. What was it? Well, yesterday I decided I was going to try to, you know, knock out what I've kind of looked at as, you know, one of my bucket list rides, which was to basically try to ride for 100 miles and to do so completely out of the saddle um and to do that i wanted to kind of make sure that i wouldn't deviate so before the ride started i actually took the seat post off the bike and the saddle and just went out with with no seat to even sit down on so <laughs> yeah well i've seen the pictures there was absolutely no prospect of any cheating i imagine even sitting on the top tube was uh, was probably not an option I mean, magnificently mad, uh, completely crazy, uh, but you did it. I mean, was it? I mean, this is like a stupid question, but was it hard? You know, it uh, it 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 was hard. One of the things that made it really challenging was the fact that obviously, without having a saddle, it's very difficult to consume any calories, whether it be liquid or you know nutrition, you know, while you're standing up. So. I only had basically a couple of opportunities during the whole ride because I chose kind of a moderate route. It, it wasn't super hilly, but it wasn't flat. I mean, the ride was just over 100 miles. I think it was just shy of 5,000 feet of climbing. So it was a challenging route, and there wasn't a lot of opportunity um, to really consume any liquids or, or solid food. So I think I ended the ride with still like maybe almost half a half a bottle of water left so i did the ride basically kind of non-stop without any nutrition which made it hard and secondly i did notice in the last probably 40 miles that my you know, my lower back was really starting to uh, you know to get sore because i was riding basically in the drops for the whole time um just trying to you know stay as aerodynamic as, as possible 
in that position. And I mean, you completed this ride under five hours, so that was like at least 20 miles an hour average, so no hanging around. Something just shy of 21. Um, but you know, one thing I kind of discovered yesterday when, when doing this is because I didn't have a seat post or a saddle to deal with, um, you know, and I've got pretty good core strength on the bike, I was actually able to keep, you know, my, you know, my buttocks and my torso really kind of low down about where that seat post would be so i was able to maintain a very aerodynamic uh position even though i was standing up basically so it was i was finding it it was actually helping contribute uh you know to 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 hanging on to speed i mean i guess you got what might be considered <laughs> so the normal cyclist something of a rest on the downhills because presumably you didn't you you weren't turning the pedals 100% of the ride. Tell me you weren't. No, I certainly wasn't uh, pedaling 100% of the ride. Um, it is very difficult to, to get any kind of recovery when you're standing. I mean, basically what I would do is when I would hit a really fast ascent, what I would just basically kind of lock out my legs a little bit and just kind of, you know, stay static. Um, but, uh, you know, the bike I rode yesterday has got a 52-36 front chain ring. So if I'd have had a bigger chain ring, um, I probably would have tried to, to keep pedaling. was basically just running into a situation where I could no longer kind of get any tension on the chain. Because my cadence, being out of the saddle, cadence was relatively low. I think my average cadence for the ride was 65. So it's difficult to spin to spin the gear so to speak when you're standing um at any kind of speed so do you know what chad one of the reasons i really like cycling is because it's a sitting down sport <laughs> <laughs> right i used to you know i used to do a bit of rowing as well and i really like sitting down sports so my i am lost in admiration for this achievement um why? I've probably been riding a bike now for, I mean, seriously, for the past about five years. And ever since I really got serious into the, you know, into cycling, you know, I just kind of always kind of naturally gravitated to riding out of the saddle, um, you know, especially on the climbs. So, and I, I've always kind of been able to just kind of ride out of the saddle for as long as necessary. I really have never encountered any kind of a hill or a situation where I, you know, kind of, you know, had to sit down. So it's kind of been something I've been thinking about doing. I've just like, you know, I just kind of thought to myself, you know, I kind of never seem to have to sit. So why not try to just do something kind of, you know, epic and see if you can ride a hundred miles with, you know, without sitting. So I decided to give it a shot. Were you, were you sore and tight in different places the next day compared to a, well, I was going to say compared to an ordinary ride, but you sound like you're a guy, you know, Contador style, who spends a lot of time out of the saddle anyway. But was there a different uh, uh, physiological response to the ride? Um, you know, honestly, I would have to say no. Um, in fact, I'm uh, I'm off work again today and I'm planning on going out for another longer ride today. I'm not going to be standing up the whole ride today. I will, I will have my saddle back on. Um, but no, I kind of feel the same as I always would after, you know, doing a century ride at that, uh, at that pace. Yeah, well, that may be a testament to your excellent overall shape more uh, and fitness more than anything else um okay so the next obvious question because you know you're a swifter i'm a swifter we're on the swift podcast you know what's coming don't you could you ever conceive of repeating this 
indoors. If I could get some assistance with somebody to just maybe give me, you know, uh, access to my, you know, to my water bottle and some snacks during the ride, I certainly think I could do this because indoors, um, you know, I train on Zwift on rollers. I'm a, I'm a roller rider personally. And one of the main reasons why I like the rollers is the fact that I can ride out of the saddle and it basically feels just like being outside on the road. Um, like I said, as long as I had adequate cooling um, and access to some nutrition, I, I see no reason why I wouldn't be able to do this uh, on an inside ride. Okay, you just walked right into my trap, James. You know that, don't you? Well, now you're going to have to do it, man. Now you're going to have to do it. I, I certainly think that I could I could achieve that. And I tell you what, Simon, uh, since you mentioned it, I will certainly make it a point this winter sometime um, to, to knock out the, uh, the, the indoor Zwift at a saddle century, or at, or at least give it a shot. Challenge accepted. That's, uh, that's very brave of you, man, and we look forward to hearing about it. Thanks very much once again, Chad. Great achievement. Okay, well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Right on! Uh, boys, I can say this with utterly no fear of contradiction. Uh, whilst I admire Chad's madness, it's without a single shadow of a doubt, with no scintilla of uncertainty, not for me. I mean, I know chamois cream can get expensive, but really, there are limits. <laughs> I mean, I just, I wouldn't, oh, I, never, never would I even think about doing anything like this. <laughs> anyway, he has pledged right here on the Zwiftcast, so no going back to try indoors. I mean, I just can't, can't even. The best thing about cycling for me is it's sitting down. Uh, Shane, as a former champion TT dude, this must send as many shivers down your spine as it does mine. <laughs> I've sat on so many, many uncomfortable seats, but I was still sitting on them. Look, <laughs> yeah. for me, this is just, I, uh, look, but look, I ask one question. It's one thing to ride 100 miles with no saddle on the bike, but to remove it from the bike altogether? Yeah. Come on, Chad, where's the self-discipline? Do it with the <laughs> saddle on the bike. That would be even harder, knowing it's there to sit back down on at any time. Although it makes for a pretty average photo, though, when you're trying to prove what you've just done. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, the word, you know, I asked him during the interview, uh, you know, and lots of the kind of social media back chat was like, why, Chad? Why? I mean, just why? Uh, Nathan, the second I'm out of the saddle, I am actively looking forward to sitting back down. I, it's a strictly short-term measure for me. Uh, c could you, with your immense strength and discipline at the moment, could you conceive of anything like this ever? I mean... I think I stood up for a pretty solid amount of time BMXing. So I started BMXing. Yeah. And I remember because the seat was so low, you just stood the whole way. Like when I rode between two towns, right? So it's probably like five, eight to 10 miles between Oconomowoc and Heartland. And like, I think one time, like I, I took off, wanted to go see dad and just rode over to dad's house. And mom was like, where did you go? But like it, on the BMX bike. And I think I rode, I mean, that's 10 miles, you know, and I probably sat down once or twice throughout that. But I definitely have like tonight on the group ride, I have a thing lately, like stand and shift up, you know, it, like I'm forcing myself yeah, to stand yeah. and shift yeah. up over the top of climbs, especially, or halfway through a climb to just accelerate. And so... 
Um, I like that part of it, but I definitely sit down and go, Ugh, like, like yeah, when we get over the top and then try and get the speed going again. So, yes, I am looking forward to sitting down when the heart rate's at 185 beats per minute. So. Yeah, too right. A nice little sit down. Yeah. Um, Shane, in, I mean, inside, do you think it'd be a different proposition inside? Well, it kind of has to be a different proposition inside, doesn't it? Technically, I'm, I'm, I'm like I'm only guessing here because it's not something I would ever want to try. No. <laughs> Probably a little easier inside because you don't have things running out in front of you or stop signs or anything yeah. like that. So that's a good thing. But your position is also a lot more static inside. So the pressure on your arms, maybe on your feet, the bike mm. isn't isn't moving as much. Even if you're on, say, let's just say the inside ride from e motion, you might be on those. I know Chad is. Um, mm. It's still not going to be the same as outdoors. So. Oh, good luck to him. Um, I can't wait to hear the report back once he's done it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, good luck, mate, and uh, and well done. I still don't know why you did it, but you did it, and uh, for that, it is uh, you 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 deserve some admiration. Okay, well, I think we can take Shane off the simmer now. Shall I turn up the gas, Shane, or uh, do we just open the traps and let you go? The subject that, of course, has got the llama on the boil, as well as quite a few others, actually, dear listener. It's the latest update, now happily patched, but uh, we are used to the monthly updates unleashing a few bugs, as YC said earlier, Zwift now is a complicated thing, that has to run on several platforms, many, many different devices, including pretty much all known species of potato. But uh, <laughs> Shane, this last one pretty much took the biscuit, I, I think it was, it's got to be kind of the worst update ever, wasn't it? Uh, we've hit new lows for sure, for sure. Look, over the years, I've ranted on a few things. I've been ranting since before most of that now 500 strong headcount at Zwift were even working at Zwift. Fat Z was a classic rant. Uh, there was also a rant about the extremely unfunny April Fool's VHS graphics mode, if we all remember that. But uh, the, the July 2021 update, this update, uh, look, I could launch a rant. I could outline all the problems. I'm just disappointed. I'm just yeah. really disappointed. This technology is difficult to learn and master at the best of times. It's smart trainer this and Bluetooth that and companion app on the same Wi-Fi, et cetera, et cetera. But now this update, whew. look, I've been joking with a few friends that I should do a follow-up video each month, the day after I do my What's New on Zwift video and title it What Broke This Month. That was discussed as a joke. It's damn near reality. We need this video done nearly every month now. Look, it was very clear from the outset there were issues with this recent update because the forums lit up within hours, actually within minutes of this update dropping. So I'm just disappointing. There was people losing ride data. They couldn't properly pair their equipment. All things that were working and through no fault of their own, they were broken. You teach the user how to use the software. They go through that procedure, which is quite difficult, I must say, not getting any easier, and it broke. So I think there's a lot of disappointment here this with this update. Uh, I'm also disappointed at the people who've had to deal with this, so I'm disappointed for them, I guess is probably a better way of stating it. This isn't just a headache for the developers, there's likely 10 times the headcount at Zwift who have had to deal with the follow-up tech support issues with this. And even after these bugs have been fixed, yesterday the patch went out, we can wash our hands of it, oh, we're all done. No, the legacy of this update still remains because people will still complain because not everybody raises a support ticket on the same day they encounter an issue. And today there's been three or four extra tickets pop up I've seen in the forums with people reporting issues that have already been fixed. The, uh, the Zwift subscriber base pays Zwift each month to have their equipment work with Zwift. And this month, a lot of it did not. 
But mm. look, for me, forget the new bikes in game. Forget the new and exciting backwards cap unlock this month. Don't care. I'll even give Zwift a leaf pass for still not having pedals on the bikes and putting Durace Mechanical, Durace 9000, on the latest bikes. That group set's from 2013. I just want them to deliver a stable platform. I think subscriber confidence is at an all-time low with these updates, and the promises are good that we've heard in the recent episode of the Zwiftcast, which is good, but we're going to have to wait to see the next updates rolling out in August to see if that rubber hits the road. Yeah, well, of course, Shane, uh, it's difficult to disagree with any of that, mate, to be honest. Yes, it is. It, it, it was very disappointing, and I think it was the things that it that it hit that, that, that really annoyed people, really. I mean... You know, uh, there is an argument that uh, nobody really should care if they don't see their ride on Strava, but people do care if they can't see their ride on Strava. Uh, you know, uh, okay, you can close one eye and squint through the other and pretend that your avatar is not wildly swerving all over the road, but it pretty much made the game unplayable for those people that it affected. So. There were serious bugs, these. I mean, really serious bugs, not just, you know, I mean, there is a kind of standing joke about, you know, which which new bugs have been introduced, but often they're trivial. These weren't trivial. Um, Nathan, every game update contains bugs, doesn't it, for every game in the world? Doesn't yeah, true? Yeah, I will, I will definitely say that, that um, especially as games get bigger, um, you do have... I think the more layers thing is the thing and you do have more and, and they are trying to solve some complicated stuff. They're working on stuff that has been a really like something we've been talking about here a lot. So I will give credit there that they're working on stuff that's like, hey, how is the game mm. interacting and trying to really get at that. And then they released something on how pack dynamics went. And literally I did a, a, a classic race on London this past weekend and my avatar was just gone and and nothing but comments down the line i was like whoa this is uber broke this isn't just like there's yeah. something a little off i was like i've never More seen things this broke you know and so yeah. when something like that happens though in a game you usually see an immediate reaction and an immediate rollback like they shut down all mm -hmm, the servers mm -hmm. like in world of warcraft if we had like they rolled out a patch and it broke things where people couldn't really do things anymore in some ways. It was like, oh shoot, our game's unplayable right now. And then they just immediately shut down the servers and roll it back. I don't know if Zwift has ever shut down their servers to do that, but well, actually they have. They have shut down servers on like a warning, we'll be down for an hour at this time, you know, and, and you do see that in other games. And so I just don't know if this is one of those situations where maybe if it was that broke that we could have seen, I don't know. It's also a very quiet time on Zwift though. It's the middle of summer. Yeah, is, yeah. I think yeah. if we would have been midwinter, with 50,000 people going, what the heck? Mm -hmm. I think it would have been yeah. immediate rollback probably. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was also people I, on the stable platforms too. So people with Apple TV, usually those potatoes work very, very well for what they do. So no disrespect to that potato that is the Apple TV. Um, though they were affected. Usually it's the PC, it's the Mac. It's yeah, something that's yeah. always updated. It's the Nvidia drivers that keep rolling, but the Mac or sorry, the Apple TV platform is quite stable and it impacted that. That was a key problem. So people were complaining. People were like, oh, complaining again. Yeah, that's normal, isn't it? No, these are new people. I did see a forum post where it says, oh, welcome, you know, John Smith to the forum. This is his first post. And John Smith has says, I'm out of here. I'm going to a separate platform. I quit. Oh, I'm like, man. well, I guess we're not going to be welcoming him to the platform then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it, it, but bugs are a part of games. It, that is a thing. It's just when it's when it's super broke, you usually get a pretty quick reaction, like a really yeah, yeah. quick, like, whoa, we did something. So 
Yeah. I mean, there's stuff on Apex that we were playing through though for a while. So I gotta say, like, like you play through some bugs sometimes that are pretty annoying. Like I gotta admit, like other games do get this wrong too. So, you know, and I'd say whatever get you know get this problem to get this problem you know a lot. So I mean, there's some interesting ones out there, some fun ones too. No, I mean it happens. It's just that there was a lot all in one. Update. It doesn't I mean, happen at 190 really beats per stuff. minute in other games, and you're screaming about not winning your race, mm. though. <laughs> like, yeah. mm-hmm. And you're, the passion of it comes back to the idea of like, this is my workout that has a reflection on me, not my Cheeto eating in the yes. basement time, right? Like, <laughs> this is my whether or not I am self realizing in the world because I'm getting my mm-hmm. workout in versus like whether or not you're self realizing shooting up on your Halo. You know what I mean? Like, that's a yeah. Very different no, level of priority. But you can see how it matters to people. I mean, there was one guy, my heart was almost literally bleeding for the poor guy. He, you know, he'd finally struggled up the Alp to Zwift in under an hour. Oh, no. Oh, and, no. And, and he hadn't registered to Strava. And it's like everyone, <laughs> you know, a few people on Zwift riders saying, well, don't worry, dude, you still did it. No, but no, that's not the not point, Strava, is it? No, if it's not that on Strava, it never happens. the point, you know. Didn't if happen. You, <laughs> I, you know, if I'd have done that, I've, I've still yet to crack an hour on the Elder Swift, but if I'd have done that, I would have gone back and and gloated over my Strava data at least on five separate occasions within an hour of finishing that ride, and that poor dude couldn't do that. So it, it was a pretty, it was distressing. I think it was a distressing set of books for sure. And mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. this has obviously not not gone unnoticed at Swift HQ. Of course it hasn't. Uh, and in fact, I am in a background uh, dialogue with them at the moment. I did ask if we could do a feature to on on the company's QC process to try to explain. I mean, that's what the, the Swiftcast can do very well. You know, we can give space for HQ to give context and and let people understand how these things happen. Because you know, let's face it, you know, shit happens all the time in in all kinds of areas. Uh, and I think some kind of dialogue that explains, you know, why this this was happening and what could possibly have been done faster to mitigate it would would have been useful. And they're, they're considering that. Uh, it's clearly not going to happen this episode, but I am in dialogue with them about some kind of feature on here that, that would give a greater understanding of the QC process and how this kind of thing, you know, could happen. Uh, and obviously I will keep... Swifters, uh, Swiftcast listeners posted on how that dialogue goes. But yeah, not uh, not Swift's finest hour, that one. Okay, anyway, no one said this stuff was easy. And some of the hardest stuff that Swift needs to do is to inject some much needed credibility and integrity into racing. For months, years maybe, the community has been baying for one potential solution. Auto-categorization or auto-cutting in Zwifter speak. What this basically means, if you're a B-grade racer, then you are forcibly prevented by the game from entering a D-grade race, winning it by a country mile and spoiling lots of other people's enjoyment along the way. Sounds easy, eh? Of course it isn't. Now, Zwift, in conjunction with WTRL, their kind of racing partners, are giving it a damn good go. The current Zwift Classic series is having a pop at auto-cutting. Let's catch up with one of the gurus of this great experiment, Martin Carew, one of the geniuses over there. Oh, well, welcome back to an old friend, Martin from WTRL. I pronounce that very carefully because I've got a nasty habit of getting it wrong. Hey, Martin, how are you? I'm good, Simon. How are you doing? 
Not too bad at all, thank you. Actually, I, I feel we're on an upward trajectory, but uh, but let's keep fingers crossed. Um, mm. So, auto casting. I mean, I kind of explained it in the intro. Really, this this is this is a uh, nascent system that is going to stop a racers ripping up the racers and leaving everybody extremely unhappy i know that's a very kind of uh, brutalized uh, description of it but that sort of is 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 what it's aimed at doing uh, being pioneered tested and generally experimented with with your venerable organization so the big question how's it going yeah this, um so far we're testing it with us with classics and um, we've tested a number of different things with different regions with different groups of people and um, is that, well, yeah, we, we found a way a while ago, we've been doing it in the Swift Racing League to make sure people go to the right event, can't get into certain events, certain pens, things like that. Um, and this is a, a kind of a, a step further forwards um, in terms of open races, making sure that people aren't joining the wrong races. Because at the end of the day, you know, the lowly D racer doesn't really want to be be racing with someone that should be in the grand tour somewhere <laughs> it's, mm -hmm. it's no fun um but yeah on on the whole uh it's going incredibly well and each week it gets more accurate which is good um a few tweaks but the protocol on it as well as keeping people in in the right pens for their abilities uh there's so much more that it needs to do uh and especially things like sandbagging that that we hear a lot about uh mm -hmm. amongst the Zwift, the Zwift community um, and, and the great thing about the AutoCAT is as well as working to things like speed, power, um, projected times on a course, age, you know, weight, there's pretty much any restriction um, that you wanted to place on an event can be very easily done. Could you put a mix of those conditions in, Martin, to kind of really filter out the sandbaggers? You know, if, if you don't catch them on one metric, you could catch them on another, another one or... Am I getting too far down the rabbit hole there? Uh, no, no. There's, there's AutoCAD itself has um, over 50 settings that we can play with, um, and, and all the parameters and things can be adapted and adjusted to suit what whoever it is that's running the race wants to put in place. Hmm. Um, you know, we have test settings in here as well. So you have, if a particular profile rider doesn't fit those settings, they'll get sent somewhere else, even though their best buddy, for instance might meet that protocol be a faster stronger better rider and be placed below them and things like that but um on on the whole um it, it's working really well so far which is good oh, that's, well that's very good to hear how do you judge success do you judge success by by looking at the results and looking for obvious outliers that are no longer there or do you judge success by the number of complaints you get from people <laughs> um, we, <laughs> we we work both quantitatively and qualitatively, so right. um, we pick up on feedback. One of the, one of the difficulties with any um, any feedback, particularly if it's coming from social media or from um, say the Swift Forum, for instance, there's a lot of noise in there, and it can be quite difficult to pick out what's important and what's not. Yeah. Um, whether whether you know in one breath someone's complaining about something and then in another breath it, it was actually okay so yeah okay so yeah we listen to the feedback we do play through the um, results and and have a look at who positioned where and we have a prediction system that predicts where we think people will end up based on 
um, based on various different algorithms that we have. Uh, and so far, that's proving about 98% accurate. Wow. It was very, very hard on the uh, second race of the classics, which was the hilly. As soon as you introduce hills, uh, big hills, like um, the New York KOM, you, you end up with a line of ants going up each, each yeah. hill each time, and, yeah, and that becomes much harder. Because yeah. yeah. climbing's very, very individual. There's no draft. Um, there's different muscle groups, different physicality. Uh, and obviously, yeah, I know only too well, because I'm a big guy, it takes a lot of energy to drag me up a hill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Same here, mate. Same here. <laughs> yeah. Um, you are working, I mean, I, I know people who follow this closely realise this, but you're working very, very closely, hand in glove with Zwift here, uh, which, which suggests to many people that, you know, Zwift are absolutely behind the idea that, you know, it really is time for autocassing. Mm. No, Zwift have been um, very well aware of you know, issues with people jumping in the wrong races and you know, the upset that that can cause. And you know, like, like, like all companies, obviously, the last, particularly the last couple of years with the COVID stuff, they've seen an explosion in, in customers. They've had to respond, same explosion in staff. We all know, you know, you hire someone, it takes time for them to get up to speed. But um, you know, th this is very much on Zwift's radar. Uh, in, in terms of something definitely required to improve racing, make it fairer. And I think we all accept that if racing's fairer, it's more fun, um, yeah. you can more competitive, more people come along, um, more time, more budget, and all of that kind of thing. And event, eventually, you know, your racing community really does expand. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree completely with all of that. Um, how long will this experiment run and how applicable do you think the learnings that you're picking up could be across the board? I mean, for instance, you know, at the end of this series, do you think you could come up with an almost perfectly formed system for rolling out autocutting across the whole Swift racing landscape? I think by the, certainly by the end of the classics, we will have a very refined algorithm that's able to tick off most of the boxes um, that, we, that we've heard about noise-wise in terms of what people don't like, what they do like, who should and who shouldn't be in a race. And that, is, that essentially gives us, um, if you want to call it the category or the divisional foundations, so how riders are grouped together. And what, once, once that's all finalised, yeah, the easy part is then applying um, some, some form of point system. So if, if you're if your ability takes you to the top of your category and you're just winning all of your races, there has to be a means to push you up. Up, yeah. Yeah, and that, and that, and to push you up gives you a, a better challenge, um, but it also gives people behind you a chance as well as, as, as everybody is developing through. And uh, yeah, to so say that, that's the easy bit. Grouping, um, grouping human beings into ability groups with all our different genetics, abilities, upbringings, attitudes, personalities, mm -hmm. and so on. That, that's the harder, harder part. Yeah, I get that. I can see that. Absolutely see that. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, you are doing God's work here, fella. You are definitely doing very, very fine work. I'm, I'm very gratified, and I know everybody who's got even the most passing interest in, in racing will be equally gratified to hear that it, it, it's going so well. Um, how long's the Swift Classic series? How many more races to go? So it's eight in total. Um, so we're, we're approaching the halfway point. Right. So ne next Thursday, we'll be heading to Richmond for a couple of laps of the UCI reverse and um, yeah and, and then 
starts to go a little bit uphill in terms of uh, ability. Some of the courses get quite challenging from here on in, which yeah. is good. Yeah, excellent. Well, as I say, you're doing very, very fine work, and uh, we will we will check in again at the end of the series and see uh, see if you're still as as upbeat, which I very much hope you are. Thanks very much indeed for coming on and telling us about it, Martin. No, you're welcome, Simon. Great to see you again. Uh, uh, Martin, extremely upbeat there, Nathan. I mean, he's, you know, he's basically saying the Great Experiment is working and working, working pretty damn well. How, uh, how, um, how do you assess it? I know you've been very closely involved. I know you work closely with Martin. Um, and obviously, you've probably watched the races and take part in, in them more than most. Um, is it going as well as, as Martin says? Yeah, so we're broadcasting New Zealand and all European races for the Classics. Um, what we have noticed, and this is what does happen in a lot of other games, especially during quiet times in the uh, other games, is that at the high level, you have a much smaller pool of people, yeah. right? So you are getting this professional tier. And with the quiet time on Zwift, queue times go up or, or either queue times will go up. The wait time to find a match goes way up when you hit the professional top tier within a game when you're queuing this way and then the queue times are much lower when you're in the lower tiers because there's just more people there so one thing that we have noticed is that you do have that kind of this elite crowd that doesn't have quite as many people because it's summer but i do think that that will uh uptick though and me and martin talked about this i think that will uptick when when we get into the higher population uh months and the autocat system will be used there another thing i just got to shout out we have martin is doing this like, like, like one guy yeah, is, yeah, is putting, yeah. I mean, it's amazing because it actually is working really well in a lot of respects. Now, one other thing that we do see a couple of complaints about is um, this idea of jumping back into the game after taking a break. Um, but that is a normal thing. Like you get deranked when you're not around for a while in any game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, or in real life. Yeah, or in real life. Yeah, if you're not around for a while, you need to show that you're still at a certain level. So maybe like I'll come back to Apex and it'll put me at, you know, mid-tier rather than like top tier like or mid to top tier or something. And then I got to kind of work my way back up. But it'll quickly adjust to what your current results are right so we do see some people like whoa why am i placed here in the first race it's like well it's assuming some things you know so um i did see maybe a tweak that like it's assuming super high level in certain areas where maybe that shouldn't be happening and i do know that martin's making adjustments like on the weekly right now so i'm pretty confident that moving forward we're going to see something really cool but another thing though just like in other games the ELO system that they use, the system in which they find your ranking is always slightly adjusting. And you're not everyone is always happy, but at least we have a results-based system now, right? And it's yeah, going to yeah. make sure that it's whittling things down as best as it can to get you into a good race against people of same quality. And I see a lot of really positive posts and a few like, what the heck just happened? So it's, it seems like it's working really well. Yep. Yeah, no, that seems to be uh, that seems to be the the upsum, really. I mean, Martin was was very upbeat. I expected uh, expected there to be to be more teething troubles that, than there've been, judging by the reaction of all involved. So, excellent. He's doing very very fine work there, Martin. As uh, as I said to him during the interview, uh, good luck with it. it. Looks like we might see that rolling out across a, a wider canvas soon. Okay. Over to Shane's tech neck of the woods for a little while now. Uh, Shane, Eurobike looms. It OBS was cancelled last year. I'm not actually certain there'll be a fantastic attendance this year, actually. I mean, travel is still badly 
restricted for, for, for many, many people. One thing we do know, though, is that Zwift is not going to be there, at least not with the big, showy, shiny booth of recent years. And I think we both know what that means, don't we? The cavernous halls of Eurobike are unlikely to be echoing to the sound of people boosting, bitching, gossiping, admiring, rubbishing, any of the above. The first products from the Zwift hardware division. Um, <laughs> it, it, it ain't going to happen, is it? This no, year. look, Eurobike are dreaming if they think this year will be anything like previous years. Um, just to give people some perspective, I think there's 1,400 to 1,600 exhibitors. Um, that's companies who are there. People who attend would be up in the tens of thousands every single day. It takes, Simon, you've been there. We, we walked through it uh, a few years yeah. together, a few years ago together. Um, it took us hours and hours to walk Get through two, yeah. or three of the, two or three of the halls, and there's yeah. nine or ten. It's, it's held in a place where they make zeppelins, those big... Um, airships. It's just, it's an amazing place. It's very hard to get to though. And next year we'll be in uh, Frankfurt. I think they're actually relocating it. But I think it's ambitious of them to even hold the event. Um, I know Australia doesn't count, but we've only just come out of a 5k travel lockdown here in Victoria. Sydney has just entered theirs through to the 28th of August. So we just can't get there. Now, while I love Eurobike, I think its relevance is fading, though. Yeah, so, me too. Zwift not me being too. there, Zwift not being there, probably not a big deal, because if you walk around anyway, Zwift is on show everywhere. The companies are using it to showcase smart trainers, saddles, pretty much everything except helmets. You'll see Zwift on the stand. It's just what people put up on the computer screen to pedal a stationary bike with. Um, yeah, and as you've said about the Zwift hardware, in a world without COVID, we did expect the Zwift hardware to be launched there, but yeah, that's not going to be happening this year. No, no, it's not. Uh, and I think you're right about about Eurobike. Sadly, for Eurobike, actually, I think the the, the kind of in a post-pandemic world, the, these giant trade shows. You know, I really wonder what the what the future holds for them. But it is, uh, I hesitate to use the word lucky, but you know, I mean, the Zwift hardware project was always going to be long term, and I think it would have been probably pretty ambitious to expect to see anything from them at this Eurobike. So, the whole kind of fuzziness and uncertainty around uh, around post-pandemic travel, I think has probably probably worked out a little bit in Zwift's favour here. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, for sure. The Riser, well, it's, mm. an elite, it's an elite product, so it could be Riser and it could be Riza, I guess. I mean, there's always two ways to pronounce a new <laughs> elite product. Uh, competition at last for the kicker climb. I mean, this is, this is basically a Me Too kicker climb. Uh, although neo owners look like they'll miss out, you're you're it's very very new out of this. I think news only kind of broke yesterday, day before. Um, your view on it? Yeah, I think it's a product everybody expected somebody to release at some point. So it goes mm. up and down like a kicker climb, and it has steering, like you said, it's so smart. So it's an all-in-one device, and the way they've actually done it is quite interesting with the engineering, because a bike going up and down requires the the foot of the the unit to move back and forward, and steering requires a whole other plane. It's mm. done it really well though. But look, how well this goes is gonna come down to pricing and availability, and they're two concerns people have raised already, and also the software implementation. Zwift has steering, but remember Zwift still calls steering FutureWorks, so it's technically still in beta, and there's a risk there. Zwift could scrap steering altogether if it just doesn't work out. So, look, I'm not sure. Um, is further opening steering on Zwift just too risky for them? I'd, I'd really want assurance that this is gonna be a thing before going down the path of one of these devices. However, having said that, it is very, very cool on Repack Ridge to be able to steer into a corner and stand up on the pedals. It's it's great for mountain biking. Road cycling, yeah, you know, there's not a lot of technical corners, but Repack Ridge with the riser, 
it's super cool. So if it'd be one of those things where you want to go to a trade show and try it, but we've just yeah, yeah. said that but, trade yeah, shows are can't, irrelevant. Can't, so can't do that. Mm. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, it looks like it's going to be pretty expensive. It's not not far off about eight or nine hundred euro sterling. I think something around that mark. So that's uh, the ballpark. Yep. Yeah, not cheap. Not cheap. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't know if I pay my own money for, for one. To be honest, the, the, both of both of those products look to me as though they kind of got that ring of. I really want one of these, but after mm-hmm. you've used it three or four times, you think, well, it's kind of okay, but actually, really, it's a bit of a gimmick. Um, it's what I would call a non-essential accessory. It's yeah. cool to have, and if someone takes it away, you're like, where's my toy? Give it back, give it back. I want that back. Yeah, but if you've yeah. never had it, you don't really know. It's, yeah. But it, as I said, it's a non-essential toy. So when these prices start getting into the same realm of the trainer itself, as, as a non-essential accessory to the trainer, it's going to be a hard sell. But yeah. the market will decide, so we'll see. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and my, Any other uh, my, interesting bits of tech around, Shane? Oh. Sorry, Nathan, well, go ahead. On the, on the riser, like, oh, it's just, I'm such a competitive person when it comes to cycling, so I'm kind of like, <laughs> what does it do for me? Like, the steering I get, like, okay. You can cut corners can on the back bike cut corners, course. and you can <laughs> yeah. get in line better, maybe for the TTT. Like, eventually, if we have, like, enough steering out there, you have a steering TTT, uh, you know, and stuff, but, like, it goes yeah. up and down, and I'm like, well, it just feels kind of different. Okay, I could just put something underneath my front wheel. I mean, I'm sorry to, to the riser, no. but I'm like, it doesn't do People anything the for the, my, the com- my competitive experience, you know? So. Well, it goes up and down several times, Nathan. The only way that you're going to get something on your front wheel to replicate that, mate, is to line up all of your children and have them constantly replacing telephone books. <laughs> Which I, I'm not sure that's going to work either, actually, mate. Um, any other any other tech tidbits we ought to be we ought to be informed about by your good self, Shane? Oh, it's a bit quiet at the moment because yeah. this is the traditional downtime before Eurobike, before all the announcements, before all the new releases. So no, nothing to report. Um, there's a few new power meters on the horizon. There's a few little things here and there that are sort of semi-related to Swift or could be used on Swift. But uh, no, I think we'll see a, a few more around Eurobike. Even if the companies aren't at Eurobike, they'll do uh, digital launches or soft launches online with new things. Um, so stay tuned. There should be more coming soon. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll do our best to cover Eurobike. Uh, Shane's not going. I'm not going. Um, travel's too difficult. Uh, so we will, we, will, we will be doing it remotely this year, but uh, I'm sure we'll be able to manage to cover anything of interest. So stay tuned for that. Eurobike, September the 1st to the 4th, I think, if memory serves correct. Okay, well, uh, a little something for runners and triathletes now. I know, I know, I know. We neglect you terribly here, us cyclists, you runners and triathletes. Please forgive us. We just don't know any better. Um, Runners first. During the YC interview, HQ's chief product officer was pretty categoric that in the short to medium term, the focus for the platform is cycling and cyclists. Uh, Not too new that really. Eric Minnan, the CEO, had said much the same recently um, as Zwift had refocused a little after the massive surge in subscribers during the pandemic. But there is a little hope for runners who I think were just a tiny bit wounded um, although undaunted by uh, by YC's comments anyway I got a little guidance following that interview and the message that I got was that running is not going to stand still uh, I don't know if that was a deliberate pun but it's quite a good one uh, basically although there is no running specific development ongoing there is a trickle-down effect from the big development effort centered on the cycling product so a parallel was drawn between 
Jura Ace and Altegra in that when the top line group set is upgraded a little later that tech finds its way down to Altegra. So for example when pace partners were introduced for cyclists they also became available to runners so when a new feature set for a cyclist will does come on stream if it can be ported across easily to running without a ton of development effort that's what will happen. I mean, I guess it's something for runners, Shane. Not, you know, it's um, it's a bit like sloppy seconds, I guess. Some of some <laughs> some of them may feel, but um, but at least at, at least they're not, you know, they're not abandoning the running yeah, product. It's- it's still there. I'm great that they've um, grateful for them to in- include another sport on there. It's nice to see runners running around the little track. It's actually getting busier if you notice the little running track there at the side of you know, mm. near the Watopia Wharf. Um, no, it's good. Um, I'm not a runner myself um, on the bike exclusively, um, but yeah, they haven't pulled the pin on that. I know people have invested in the technology that makes running work. There's some treadmill owners out there who've bought this just for for Zwift. People are calling for walking though. They want walking in Zwift, which is a fair call. You know, it's mm. a nice little place to walk around. Um, I saw someone walking up the Alp the other day, and I think they were going faster than me too, so I wasn't too impressed with that. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever, and you're just going completely off script here, have you ever seen speed walking as a sport? Mm. Oh, don't it's an Olympic man. sport? It's an Olympic we, sport, isn't it? This, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Speed now, walking, I, it's, it's like, it's like <laughs> well, it's what it says it is. It's walking really, 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 really fast. I think the rule now, was, is, yep. the rule is you can't, is it you can't have more than two feet? You got to have both feet on the one, one foot like on the foot that. at the side. You can't run. Pretty much, that's yeah. you, you can go as <laughs> yeah, fast as you can, but don't run. It's like <laughs> the definition okay, of okay, having a gate, that right? Like it, gate definition, yeah. I think, right? Like so. Technology-wise, though, how cool is this? Oh, I think not, it's no. um, in 2021. I, I was talking about this in the live stream the other day because it's funny you mentioned this, Simon. That's why I, I picked up on this one um, because technology can solve the problem of people getting red flagged. There's so many instances where people have been leading the walking race and they've just been red flagged and they're devastated. Like, I wasn't running. I was – and there's a fine line, like yeah, millimeter yeah. fine line yeah, between yeah. being off the ground and not. But this is where technology can come in and actually solve this problem for us. It's like, okay, well, you, you know, you're borderline almost off the ground. Oh, no, you're not. And you can have a little watch device on or something. So that's a, somewhere well, where you, you can go you a would, lot. You, yeah. would th- you would think a treadmill with sensors could th- – that would be like yeah. super easy to, 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 to adjudicate whether you're running or walking. But if, if if listeners, if you've not seen speed walking, just I'm sure it's all over YouTube. Just just YouTube it. It's the most amazing thing to see. Can't there. be good for your the hips. The difference is it cannot you, be good for your hips on these. I've oh. looked it up. And the difference is, but when you walk, you have one foot on the ground at all times. When you run, you're in the air during each stride. So that's yeah, the difference. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's a very cool sport. Anyway, we digress. Uh, back to triathletes. Um, Zwift played a huge part in the very splushy tri-battle royale between Jan Frodeno and Lionel Sanders. Uh, for those who missed it, this was a head-to-head battle between the two biggest stars in tri over a full-distance iron course in southern Germany. In, it has to be said, very poor conditions. Bike leg was especially wet. Mm. Uh, Zwift was a headline sponsor. Uh, and the IRL ride and run legs were mirrored on the platform so that people could join in and follow the action. It was pretty cool, actually. And those Zwift sequences were also featured split screen on some of the TV coverage. Uh, coverage. And, and there was a physical Zwift setup in the Finnish village. 
which was a tiny bit bleak, actually, because of the awful weather. But it was a very, very innovative, for, innovative format all round, uh, with Zwift playing a leading part and a participative element as well. So chapeau to HQ for getting involved in that, and congratulations to Fredeno, who got the win over his great rival and in a new world record time for the distance of... 7 hours, 27 minutes and 53 seconds, nearly all of it in the rain. Uh, and finally, whilst we're dishing out hats to HQ, they should definitely get a big chapeau for the further fruits of their long-running partnership with ASO, which has now yielded headline sponsorship rights around something that truly is a big, big, massive deal for the whole of cycling, and that is a women's Tour de France from next year, and it will be called Le Tour de France Femme, Avec Zwift. It's very, very difficult to uh, understate the importance of that, Shane, for the for the for the whole sport. The, the women's Tour de France and Zwift is has got its name in the title. I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah, look, good on them for getting behind this in name and and brand, and by that I mean money, so this event can run. But look, looping back to all the noise about the Olympic activation, though, yeah. look, just between the three of us. What a fizzer that was, though. Look, the mm. day the Olympic road race was on, I was reading, uh, I wasn't riding a replica course on Zwift of the Olympics. I was reading articles of how to actually work around the latest bugs. And that is a true story. Um, 12 months are a fair way away. So we need to get back to shoring up the platform, though, so that the branding is something they're proud of still in 12 months' time. And I'm not being mean for the sake of it. I really think Zwift are at a fork in the road. One direction is where we want Zwift and the platform to be. The other one is where the meme lords will have an absolute feast on in 12 months' time if the platform stagnates or the issues that we're seeing in recent updates continue happening. So sorry to pull that one on a bit of a downer. I do agree that it's fantastic they're helping this event run and I can't wait to watch it. But it's more than just putting a name to a brand. Yeah, no, It's about true. the platform. It's all it's about advertising, getting people on the platform, shore it up and make it something awesome. Yeah, it's very true. It's very true. You know, if, if you're going to get the amount of coverage and visibility that they're going to get uh, from that, then, then the kind of bugs that, that we saw in this last update feel like a bit of a, hmm, what's the right word? Luxury? No, that's the wrong word, but you know what I mean. Uh, Nathan, massive deal though, bigger bigger picture, massive deal, a women's, a women's Tour de France, uh, and, and was, was so closely associated with it that, that you know, that, that, that is a cause for celebration. Yeah, what I like is the term, how long term this is. It's not, we're not yeah. just talking, you know, I like it that it isn't just a splash in the water, you know? So um, uh, that's, uh, it's here to stay for at least as long as the partnership as far as there was, they said four years, right? Four years? I think it is four years. Yeah, yeah four it was years, long, definitely long sure. term. Yeah. So yeah. absolutely awesome. Um, the amount of messages and conversations I've had from women about this has just like gone through the roof lots of excitement about this um so it's it's massive i i um shane brings up a great point i mean you're you're talking about where you're putting resources and it's kind of like you have a uh uh wow this is an awesome incentive uh, uh not incentive an awesome um you know cause to be putting this toward like of course like grow women's cycling and loving it and that's and and that's a heartbeat of where we sit within zrl and the women's racing scene is every week right now at the wtl ttt and in the zrl we are featuring women who would not have been racing bikes at all 
And they like literally, I'm not kidding you. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. get we so we open up every week in Platinum League for people to be featured. And every week we have a team that is at an entry level and they're almost the whole team or half the team was recruited by their buddy to race and they're like, This is my first time ever racing. And it's always and it's always yeah. women. And yeah. it's like it's amazing to see that where the sport is growing because of Zwift. So it makes so much sense at a platform level there. I do have to agree though, like, okay, where are we seeing the same kind of resources on a on a place that just was hemorrhaging. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, whoa, like I'm really glad that you're really fit over here, body, but what's happening? Like your eyes mm. popping out over here or something. You know what I mean? So it's <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, great flex on the muscle there. This one might be a little weak over here. So yeah, yeah. no, but it's, it's, a, it's such an excellent point you make that Nathan, the barriers to entry for racing for women around Swift are like a million times lower than they are for <clears throat> for real life, uh, uh, and and that, that that can can only continue, and and with a, you know a sponsorship as big as this, you can see that getting a an absolutely massive kickstart. Literally okay. just got out of messaging with an Egawatt uh, rider who never was racing before, and just got done racing down in Illinois. Like was you know it's like story after story. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. transition. Yeah, it's, real. it's just amazing. It's, really, it's, it's not seriously hype. amazing. It really I can't is, emphasize it, really it enough. Happening. So yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, how far away is that tornado, Nathan? It, it passed. Uh, it was pretty wild outside, like real wild. The alarms went off three times. I wondered if the big oak was going to fall over in the front yard. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> like the trees were going crazy. My daughter called during the broad, during the, 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 the podcast recording here to ask if I was okay. I muted myself, talked to them on speaker, and they were like, did I asked them if they went to the basement or not. They're like, well, we knew you were alone over there, Dad. We just wanted to see if you're doing all right. So that all went down <laughs> during the during this podcast. I'm not kidding. But everybody's good, and, uh, and uh, I don't know. We'll have to go outside and see what the damage was and where the tornado actually went, because it was a warning. It's a difference between a watch and a warning. If it's a warning, there actually was a tornado somewhere, or at least the, there was swirling that was happening that got picked up on radar. Podcasting wow. through a podcasting through a tornado. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that, does it? it doesn't get any better. <laughs> if I was on the bike racing, that would be maybe the next level. So. <laughs> uh, Shane Depps of winter with you, of course, mate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and just coming out of lockdown, uh, yeah. your sense of uh, an ear of grumpiness with me today? <laughs> Actually, I shouldn't be grumpy. I got out on the bike today. I got outside today. It was fantastic. I tell you, what, I've replaced my bottom bracket too, just to get back to bikes. I've replaced my bottom bracket. I've got one of these threaded through things, not the press fit. It's anyway, whatever. Yeah. It's like pedaling through hot butter with a knife. It is just <laughs> so good. I've got a clean chain. You know that feeling when you've got a clean chain, new bearings on something, new pedals on, yeah. and a new bottom? Oh, it was absolutely brilliant. And I was amazed at bikes coast outdoors. Like when you stop pedaling, the bike <laughs> keeps going forward. For four weeks, I've been locked indoors. As soon as I stop pedaling, I'm out the back. Or I've come to a dead stop. Coasting, yeah, yeah. Oh, we yeah. should request that in an update. Oh. <laughs> movement, <laughs> for, forward movement without pedaling. I'm a great fan of that. Great, great, yep, fan yep. of that. It was great today. It was really good to get out. <laughs> okay, boys. Well, that's the end of it. That's the end of episode 99. A super suitably kind of apocalyptic number, I think, for Nathan <laughs> broadcasting. Uh, <laughs> he didn't make it to 100. RIP, Nathan. <laughs> broadcasting through a tornado. Yeah, next one up is 100. But for 99. Thank you very much indeed, my friends. Uh, great pleasure to be back with you, and I'll talk to you next time. Thanks, guys. Cheers, guys.
Well, as I just said, it's episode 100 next, and I've been persuaded by my fellow Zwiftcasters that we really should mark it. So we've got our thinking caps on uh, to see what we might do for episode 100. We're toying with the idea of doing a a live episode, so um, maybe that's what we'll do. But in the meantime, it's just the uh, usual bit of housekeeping. Um, Zwift are supporters of the Zwiftcast. They help us stay on air, and uh, they support us manfully. Uh, They've just signed up to do so for another year, so um, we'll get to 100-plus episodes for sure. Uh, Thank you very much to that. Uh, Thank you very much to Zwift for that. But just a reminder to listeners that it's not Zwift who decides what goes in the Zwiftcast. It's us. Thanks once again for listening. Look forward to episode 100. See you next time. Bye.